On the podcast this week, my guest is Gudrun Lorette. We talk about creating and, most importantly, repurposing content for professional services businesses and entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 149 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, and welcome to the show. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the Marketing and Finance podcast. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. As always, I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy from Edinburgh. I help people like you and businesses like yours keep your marketing strategy simple and the BS at bay. It's been a really busy couple of weeks, so there wasn't a podcast episode last week. Sorry about that. I was away at a number of really interesting conferences. First of all, Monday, Tuesday was world-class communication in Edinburgh. Now, I've been on this event before as a delegate and... You learn from world-class communicator Marcus Sheridan to improve your communication skills, improve your on-stage performance, and generally become a better speaker. This year, however, I was giving a presentation to the delegates this year to tell them about my story and how I've developed as a speaker as a result of going on the world-class communication course. So that was really exciting. Then I was down to London. We had a protection review summit. We were talking about mortgage protection and growing the market. That was really interesting. And then Saturday, Sunday, I was at the inaugural Upreneur Summit. Now, this was a two-day event organized by entrepreneur and business coach Chris Ducker, another amazingly uplifting actually quite high-octane conference, listening to marketers, social media experts, and just plain inspirational people, as well as an opportunity to network and mastermind with like-minded people. It was great to catch up with lots of old friends, meet some new friends, and put names to faces from people that I know from the Youpreneur community. So let's get into this week's interview with Gudrun. We chat about Gudrun's career from journalistic beginnings to building her own copywriting business, what people really want to know about mortgage brokers, financial advisors and other professional service providers, turning client questions into blogs, articles, podcasts and videos, how to come up with content which will engage your clients, repurposing your content whether your starting point is a live video or a written blog, and how to boost your content and attract traffic to your website. Gudrun helps businesses make the most of their podcasts, vlogs and webinars with her transcription and repurposing services. She turns them into blogs, quotable soundbites and more. She also writes blogs and bespoke copy for successful entrepreneurs who recognise the importance of original, well-written communications. Gudrun is passionate about writing and builds on her years of experience to produce the words to allow companies to clearly and effectively share their messages. So let's get straight into that interview with Gudrun right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hello, Gudrun. Welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi, Roger. Thank you very much for having me. Gudrun, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from today? 
So I am zooming you from Gateshead, which is the other side of the water, to Newcastle upon Tyne. So I'm not that far away from you, just under under the border. And uh, it's uh, it's grey. It's probably threatening for rain, and uh, it's going to be cold later on. So standard northeast weather. And Gudrun, you are a copywriter, and yep. you help people with podcasts, vlogs, webinars, transcriptions, and repurposing. So quite a lot of interesting stuff for us to talk about today. But before we get into that, please could you tell the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit about yourself, a bit about your background, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically what makes Gudrun Lorette tick? Yeah, uh, good question. So I I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was, um, when I was a little girl. Um, I used to write articles based on what was going on in the street, um, things that were happening in the local area. And I'm actually, I had my first piece of work published 20 years ago for Waterstones Bookshop had a magazine with the tagline for teenagers by teenagers, which is called In Brief. And we used to um, review the latest teenage books, which was uh, which was critiqued by our, our school age colleagues. And we also used to go down to London and interview authors or they would come up to us in Newcastle and we would take it in turns to, to ask them questions based on what we'd read, asking about their life, and then uh, actually one of us would have to transcribe it. So <laughs> that started out quite early on. Um, I studied journalism. I studied uh, communication at university. I, I realised that writing was the only thing I'd ever wanted to do. It was what I felt I was really good at, and I wanted to make that that the focus of my my career and my business. So that's what I do. I work with with people who are you know pressed for time. Um, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, people who are looking to be industry leaders or, or already are, um, to help them clearly communicate their message, to uh, reach a wider audience and make the best use of their most valuable content. And was there a moment when you realised that you said you were really into writing, now you could have developed a career as an author, you could have written fiction, you could have written non-fiction, you could have become a journalist. Was there a moment when you decided that actually helping other people to write stuff to help promote their own businesses was the way to go. Was that was there a light bulb moment when that happened? I think it, it kind of happened organically. I mean, I did start out in in journalism. I did the um, the National Council of Training of Journalists course, mm-hmm. but that's I think the thing was with journalism is what put me off was the sort of intrusive nature, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel comfortable with that. I think it was that wasn't the path I wanted to go down, and. When I was an employee, a lot of the work I did was in um, public sector. So a lot of the things I was doing was helping people in the community, you know, work for local authorities and for the health organisation. So it, it was a kind of natural transition that, that what I was good at was was helping people to share their messages. It, it seemed like a, a natural progression just to make that a, a career. So rather than you know being a, an author and, and just putting things out in front of people, it's a, it's a much more collaborative process to work with with a, a small business or a solopreneur to get into what it is they really want to say, um, which I think is something that people struggle with. You know, they they know what their business is, but what is it they're trying to to express? And and I help them to to sort of drill down into you know their core message and how they how they they run their business and who they help. It became obvious that that was that was the way to go because it was something I enjoyed doing and I like meeting people, talking to people and, and finding out about them, which I felt was a bit nicer than <laughs> writing misery misery pieces for, you know, the sun or something like that. So that was how that came about. 
And you've worked with a few people who've actually been on the Marketing and Finance podcast. I think you're doing some work with Andy Hart, who's uh, right. known as the Voyantist. And I think you're doing some website work for him, aren't you? Um, being help, I've been helping him with some, some blogs and some of his podcasts. Um, I work with probably a lot of people that you know, actually. I've worked with um, Richard Tubb, yep. Pascal Fintoni, uh, Andrew and Pete a couple of times. Um, quite a lot of my clients were at uh, Talking Point of Business, where you and I were um, a few weeks ago. So, yeah, very, very varied and a lot of, you know, um, a real mix of, of, of companies. So traditional businesses, like the, like the finance stuff and, again, digital marketing and stuff like that. It's a, a real variety of, of people who actually all need the same the same thing, you know, is, is how to communicate their message and explain what they do in a straightforward way. I think it's something that's really worth having a, a, a bit of a deep dive into, Gudrun, here, because funnily you should mention that the talking point of business conference that we were both at I was doing a speech there I think I was the first person up in the morning and part of the message that I was trying to get across was this whole thing that I think is collectively known as the curse of knowledge and when you work in a specific industry and that doesn't matter whether you're a financial advisor or whether you run a hairdressing business or you wear run a car garage there's going to be language there's going to be terminology there's going to be jargon there's going to be industry speak in that particular industry that you live with day to day and you become immune to it and you assume that everybody knows what it is uh, that you're talking about and you assume people know that jargon you assume people know those industry terms but the fact is the vast majority of people have absolutely no idea about these industry specific words and language that is used And I think it's easy for people who are in businesses to assume that people have a much higher level of knowledge about what they do than they actually do. And one of the messages that I was putting out at Talking Point of Business was, assume that your customer knows absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing at all. And if you start at that level, then actually you've got a better chance of engaging with them and creating a customer out of them because you are effectively talking their language. That's exactly it. And I think um, I think one of the key things to remember here is that there's no such thing as a stupid question. No. You know, um, if I wanted to, to, we were talking before about um, a mortgage broker. I bought a house last year. I didn't know what a mortgage broker did. Mm-hmm. And I think for the mortgage broker, they know exactly what they do. And once you've approached them, they assume that you know exactly what, what they'll do for you. But in fact, you don't. And it applies to, I work with a chartered accountant to set up his website and I think I think one of the benefits of of getting somebody else to to write your copy and to help you is that essentially I'm I'm your potential client. If I can't understand what you do, then nor can anybody else. So I don't have to be expert in in accountancy or, or finance or, or mortgages or marketing. But I I have to understand enough so that I can explain to people who are like me, your your clients, what it is you do. What are your most frequently asked questions? What what is it your customers want to know? So you start off with that as your your base point. If you come up with a list of of your top 10 or top 20 most often asked questions, that's 10 or 20 blog posts right there. What you need to do is you just need to explain clearly and again what you mentioned about jargon not using that language is, is if somebody's coming to you for your service what what do you think they need to know and it, it's definitely worth asking people and you'll be surprised by 
by their answers, but it's a really, really good starting off point for, for anybody who's who's trying to do blogging or any kind of content production is is what do people need to know about you and ask them your your helpful, most valuable content is is answering those questions. And I think it's quite interesting because you used an example there of a mortgage broker. Now, I've worked in financial services for most of my life, and of course, I know what a mortgage broker is. And if I was to ask a mortgage broker, what are the sort of questions that your clients are asking, they may say, well, explain to me what APR means or explain to me what um, loan to value means. But actually, there might be people out there who are just like you and saying, I don't actually know what a mortgage broker does. Or there may even be people out there who, you know, use the term mortgage, but have never actually sat down to understand exactly what it means. So so I, d- I think don't assume that people are going to ask the questions at your level of understanding. They may have some absolute Bobby basic questions that they need to have addressed before you can start getting into the slightly more technical areas. Is that your experience? That's exactly it. I think um, I think if I, one of the things I wish I'd known before I, I had a mortgage broker was just how many bits of paper he was going to need from me <laughs> yeah. because I just had so many emails. And I think, you know, for a mortgage broker, a brilliant thing to do would be to produce a checklist, things you need to know before you work with a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. You're going to need your bank statements. You're going to need proof of employment. If anybody, I didn't know, for instance, if my um, mother-in-law put some money towards the deposit, she had to produce a letter to say this was really her money and it hadn't been laundered. Mm-hmm. How, how, could I, how could I know that? So I think, you know, something like that is, you know, a checklist is ideal. This is 10 things you need to know before you work with a mortgage broker. Is working with a mortgage broker right for you? Here's 10 things to think about. And that applies to any any business. And it is that that really basic information so that you, you feel fully prepared. And then what it means is that your customers have had their questions answered and they don't feel quite so silly when when you sit down and you start talking about things because you've given them a little bit of background and you're preparing them for for the the then the in-depth stuff, the discussions about mortgage re- repayment rates, types of mortgage. You've given them a bit of confidence and also you've shown them that they can ask whatever they want and you'll be able to help them because you've shown that with what's gone before. Yeah, and I think people feel more engaged with if you make an effort to talk in their language and if you make an effort to keep things simple, don't they? That's it. And that's, you know, it, I think the, one of the problems is is that when you're writing for your own business is you're too close to your subject. And I'm probably just as guilty as anybody else of that, you know, and that's why it's it's useful to have somebody else to help you just to say, hang on, I don't know what that term means. If I don't know, as the copywriter, your customer's not going to know that either. And it's really useful to have that that remove to to really look at the language you're using and why you think you should be using that language and perhaps why you shouldn't be using that language, I think, is more important. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how you go about helping one of your customers, one of your clients. So... What's the process you take them through, Gudrun, when you work with them? Is it, like you've said, you start with that long list of questions and go from there? It varies. I think um, I think the first thing is, is why are you producing this piece of content or why do you want to reuse something that you've already got? We look at, I look at their website and the, the material they've already got and 
So depending on if, for instance, if they want to produce a series of blogs, then it is, we would start off with that list of questions. You know, what is it that your customers want to know? Mm-hmm. And that's a good way of, of getting started and, and building their confidence should they decide they want to write their blogs themselves. They tend not to, um, but if they do, then at least it gives them the knowledge that they can come up with some ideas and I'm, I can then go off and write those for them. Mm-hmm. Often it's useful to do a content audit to see what they've what they've got to look at where they, they want to share their messages, how often, you know, what, what kind of form uh, is it going to be in, what kind of medium. So mm-hmm. is it written? Is it going to be a podcast? And if the process works from any direction, so you can take a podcast and turn it into something else, you turn a webinar into into a podcast if you wanted or into a, into a blog series. So it's very much looking at their individual needs, seeing what they've already got, seeing how we can make the most of, of that and, and look at ways to, to add to that to to really help them show that they are the, the expert in their field, which is usually what, what they're looking for. And where do most people start? Do they start with written blog articles? Do they dive straight into wanting a podcast, video? What's your it, experience there? It's surprising, actually. I think um, because you would assume that most people would start off with, with blogging because it's it's easier, but so many people hate writing, yeah. which is bizarre to me, um, that I think a lot of people have have been doing um, live video. Yeah. So not, not so much a, a formal webinar or a vlog or a, a podcast, but they're certainly doing short short snippets to to their their phone camera and you know sharing it with their their audience as they're going about their day and then they panic and think oh i've got this really useful piece of information and now it's stuck in a video what do i do with it and so often more often than not they're actually coming from from that side and they feel like their their knowledge is stuck in in a video format and it's up to me to pull that out and turn that into words that they can then share across social media and across their blog. And what would you do then in, in, in that example? So say somebody has recorded, I don't know, a 20-minute live to camera. So a lot of it would have been ad-libbed. They probably wouldn't have been reading from a script, so there wouldn't have been anything written down that you can then take and repurpose. So what, what's the process you go through to make the most out of that video content? So if um, somebody's done a, a piece to camera and you've got a 20-minute recording, that should give you around 600 words, which is actually a pretty good basis for a blog post. But if if a lot of it is is talking about their you know their day out, what they're doing, then I would go back and fill in myself with some research. So if they're talking about how to start an email marketing campaign, I would look at their website to see what other information they had that I could include in a blog post for them. Mm-hmm. I would ask them if there's anything else they think would be appropriate to add. I often find statistics and, and data and latest research to, to add into that to to make the, the blog post more interesting. But it's it's surprising actually how much how much value you have in those twenty minute things on your iPhone is actually there's a lot of useful information that your your audience would want to know about and it's it's quite easy to, to turn that into a, a blog post to to put on your website and then to share elsewhere on social media maybe add to linkedin there's actually quite a lot there already it's just a question of of pulling that that out and and editing it and adding to it and polishing it and improving it for them 
And actually, that could be a good way for a lot of people to start, couldn't it? Because, you know, sometimes you're busy, you haven't got time to sit down in front of a PC or start typing, or if you've got one of those fancy pens writing on your iPad or whatever. But what you could do is if you have a spare five minutes, you could turn your camera on and, and just talk for five minutes into a video and then send it to you to be turned into articles and transcripts. Or you could even use the the uh, memo recording facility on your phone to record some ideas or to record a monologue into your phone. And again, use that as the basis for the content that you want to produce. That's right. And actually, uh, quite a few of my clients do that. I actually did some work with somebody who runs a beauty salon and um, does massage and she wanted to introduce some new therapists who had just joined the company but she wasn't comfortable with doing the writing so she sat down and interviewed them and we turned that into a series of blog posts for her to introduce the new therapists to her to her clients so they knew what was available which additional services had been added and that took 10 minutes for her and a little bit of time for me and that was ready to go and she could get on with massaging people and helping people and I produced blog posts for her. I've even used the um, memo recording on my iPhone to uh, write a book. <laughs> so it's a, it's a bit of a long process but yet it's a, it's a really good way of, of getting your thoughts down and sending them to somebody else to, to clarify it and to improve on it and turn it into something special. What was your book you're writing, Gudrun? Ah, that was actually for Andrew and Pete. Ah. So uh, I helped them with two of their, their books. The second one's coming out at the end of the month. And they had a lot of um, resources and useful information already. So we we sat down and did an interview, a number of interviews, and that was the basis for, for their first book, The Hippocampus. And then they added their own materials into that. So some of the diagrams, they've, they've produced some marketing models, they've trademarked themselves. They added that in and, and that was how they created the hippocampus. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. I've read that yeah. book. It's, uh, it's really entertaining in the usual Andrew and Pete uh, slightly wacky style. Yeah. Yes, that was how we how we did that. So a lot of it was, was there already, it was their own their own knowledge and it was just a, a way of, of getting some of the the more involved bits by talking to me it was as if they were talking to a, a client and we've worked together before anyway so I am familiar with with how they work and that was a an easier way for them rather than just again talking in marketing spiel was mm-hmm. to, to talk to me and I asked them some questions and they used that as the the basis to build on on the book from there and you've started off then with the list of questions we've come up with answers to those questions and those answers could have been started as videos it could have been started as blogs and then you've repurposed tell us about some of the things that you always have in mind when you're putting content together for people Gudrun and how you keep it simple because again as you know because you were there at talking point of business i'm obsessed with helping people keep things simple and again jargon tends to creep in however hard we try jargon tends to creep in management speak tends to creep in professional language in inverted commas and i'm making big inverted commas by the side of my head as i say that tends to creep in especially if lots of people get involved in the sign-off process so what are the tips that you would 
you would give to people who are producing content for themselves that you use when you're producing content for your clients to keep things simple and engaging for their customers? The main thing is to be authentic and to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where people fall into the things that you call the curse of knowledge and, mm-hmm. and using professional business speak is you don't have to, I think the, the, what puts people off about writing is that they think it has to be an English essay. Yes. And it just, it has to be nothing like that. You're not, you're not writing for Mrs. Smith, your, your GCSE English teacher. She, it's, it's for your audience, but also it's for yourself. And that's a really important thing to bear in mind is when you sit down to write. And that's why Andrew and Pete do so well is because they are very much themselves. And that's what I, when I write for somebody else, is to try and keep that that tone of voice and their own style in that. And it, again, it goes back to what do people need to know? So if you start to, you're writing for yourself and you you waffle, you've written a lot and you've, you sit down and you think, this is great, I've written 2,000 words, is to go back and, and to look at that. And that's what I always do. I edit, it's what in... Um, fiction editing they call kill your darlings (laughs) you've written something you think sounds amazing but natural fact what you've done is you've waffled you've repeated yourself so although we know that long-form copy far outperforms short-form copy which is one of my favorite statistics um it's it's to be brutal with your your work and, and to edit it and you know that's how that's how you engage with people is don't repeat don't waffle don't get into that that trap of trying to sound clever by by using jargon, by using long words. If you wouldn't use long words in your everyday speech, don't do it in your writing either because you're alienating your audience. You're not staying authentic to yourself. You're going to confuse everybody. Yeah, one of the things I always try to test myself to do if I've written something it's a little bit harder when you've recorded a video but I try to do this before I would record a video if I've written something I'll always say okay can I turn each of the paragraphs that I've written into a sentence and if there's only a sentence there to start with can I shorten that sentence or you know even take that sentence down to one word and i think if you can create that sort of discipline then often you really can simplify stuff a lot more than you thought was possible that's it when uh, when i studied journalism what they teach you first is to imagine that your your writing is an inverted pyramid right and what you do is you put the most valuable information at the top and then you put everything else at the bottom. So if you were arranging an event like talking point of business, you want in your first paragraph to say who, what, where, when, why. Yeah. Further down your article is where you'd put a quote from somebody like a speaker, such as yourself, mm-hmm. or an attendee, or the organizer. And the reason you do that is because if it was to be published in a newspaper, your editor will edit from the bottom up. And it's it's the same with, with writing a blog. You want to draw people in and keep their their interest as you know maintain that interest as soon as you can so you put the best bits in hopefully you've got enough information to encourage them to read right down to the bottom but if they don't they've grasped your meaning and your most important points at the top at the start of your article and there's all those great things that you've learned from studying journalism 
now transposing into the service that you offer for your clients. And I've had a few people, and I know quite a few journalists who've explained that um, top-down approach to me before. And again, if you're writing copy for yourself or even thinking about a script for a video or for a podcast, that's such a great discipline to get into. Gudrun, on the podcast, I also like to talk to my guests about marketing that they're seeing from other companies. So have you got an example of, it could be a marketing campaign or a product or something that you've seen recently that's made you sit up and think, wow, I really like the way they've done that. Could you share that with the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast? One of the things I enjoyed last week or the week before, which wasn't intended as a marketing campaign, but worked really well, was did you see the squabble on Twitter between the uh, natural... Natural History Museum and the Science Museum in London. Yes. I love that. I, I'm really, really a fan of, of these natural, organic occurring discussions that happen on social media um, and get everybody engaged and involved. And it's a great way to to remind people that these museums are there. I think they're free. Most museums tend to be free these days in, in England. And it's a really nice way to to tell people about what you do and what's available to them without being a hard sell and i think i think that's a really nice way of of getting some interest and that was that was particularly fun because then they got there was a couple of museums in australia chimed in and and, you know gave their opinion and it was a a really nice way to to say you know we've got dinosaurs we've got robots we've got funny looking creatures and it's a it's a natural way and i think i think it's a good example of how marketing has to work these days because you can't you can't just throw your, yourself at people and shove their products in their faces and hope that they're going to buy from you. You have to you have to be natural and and interested and and show your personal human side. And I think that even for big museums like that, that worked really well because it was it was a bit of fun. It was a bit like the Invictus Games last year when America and Canada and Britain had the little squabble about who was going to win the Invictus Games. I mm. think. I think that's a really nice way of of engaging your audience and hopefully museum visitors and I think you can you know it's a good way to show that anybody can do that you know you get a little banter a bit of banter going on on social media and you get a lot of engagement and a lot of goodwill is generated from that and I think that's really important for, for businesses is to to get that goodwill and that enthusiasm and people joining in and commenting on what they like about natural history museum or the science museum I think it's I think it's a really nice nice way of doing things and, and showing you your best side. Yeah, I saw that and, and, and again what was even more interesting is yes, there was the sort of banter between the two of them and lots of people got involved, but then quite a lot of publications actually use them as an example, just like you're doing, of a, right. as as a great way to engage with people. So they became almost like an, an international case study. So just from that little Twitter engagement, they created a massive amount of media um, publicity for themselves. And, and I think we can all learn a lot from that. And Gudrun, is there a business book you've read recently that you'd like to share with the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast? I have a couple of favourites. Mm-hmm. And from a, a fairly specific point of view, I like Peter Bowman's The Wealthhead Writer. Mm-hmm. And he uses the term commercial uh, writer rather than copywriter. Mm-hmm. And that's that's about how you can make money and good money from writing. Because I think there's a that old-fashioned idea of poets starving in the garret or people slaving over over their 
their papers and not making much money but you can you can learn to to write and market yourself as a as a copywriter and that was a a really good good guide for me to to give me permission to try that myself more generally i would say tim ferris's four hour work week which i imagine everybody says but i read that at about the same time and it just showed that you can you can work from anywhere if you're fortunate to be in an industry like mine and that you can you can give yourself time out you can explore new ideas and new things and that you don't have to be tied down to a 40 hour work week and i think that's that's a really good a good lesson for people so they're not they're more lifestyle i think that is but it's it shows that there are possibilities and there's potential and that your know, business needs to be built around about you and how you can best serve yourself and then serve other people after that and I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast today are going to want to get in touch with you, Gudrun. So what's the best way that people should connect with you? You can find me via my website, which is just GudrunLorette.com. And I'm also on Twitter, which is just GudrunLorette. Fantastic. And I shall put links to Twitter and your website in the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Gudrun, it's been fascinating to talk to you this afternoon. I always like talking to people about writing and about producing content, especially when they are as, as obsessed with keeping things simple as I am. So thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to speak to you and no doubt we'll speak speak to each other again, or see each other at an event in the future. Thanks, Roger. Thank you for having me. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps, and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.